Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here. I know that every single week I'm like, hey, hey guys, subscribe, please subscribe. But no, for serious, do subscribe. We have a couple of really exciting changes happening. And if you subscribe, you'll get all the latest straight to your device wherever you listen to the Press Gallery. Uh, more on that over the next couple of weeks, which brings us closer and closer to 250 episodes. Yeah, we're at 243 right now. I guess I'll have to make cupcakes to uh, to celebrate. As always, though, any questions, comments or concerns, do reach out to me, egraney at postmedia.com or find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Do remember to tell all your other nerdy Alberta politics friends about us and enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, September 21st, 2018, and this is the My Big India Adventure edition. With me today, my fellow legislative reporter, Claire Clancy. How are you, mate? I'm great. Walked in the snow this morning. This in is absolute rubbish. Mm-hmm. Rubbish. It's Pretty garbage. Angry. But I'm on vacation in a couple of weeks, so I'm just waiting yeah, for that. Yeah, and you're fleeing the country, getting away from this. Good yeah. good idea. Keith Geron, how are you, mate? I'm doing well. Excellent. Doing very well. Staying warm? Yeah, trying. Mm. Yeah, it's hard. First day of fall. It's depressing. It is. Bastard weather Zeus, weather <laughs> gods. <laughs> Janet weather, French. Weather Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Education reporter Janet French, hey, how are you? Hey, what's up? Oh, you know, the sky? What's mm. up? The sky? I'm making bad dad jokes. I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) So anywho, we're going to be talking about UCP leader Jason Kenney's trip to India with his colleagues, Devon Drishan and Prasad Panda. Um, We're also going to talk about Zipporah Berman talking about Alberta at the Alberta Teachers. No. Yeah. A conference, an ATA. Yeah. An ATA conference. conference. I'm like, Alberta Teachers Association. I couldn't think of the word for association. (laughs) And the hilarity that has ensued over that little little tidbit. And finally, we are going to talk about a lightning fast apology from the education minister over a residential schools question. Let's start off with India, just because it's been quite a thing this week. Clancy, you've been uh, you you wrote the first story on this on Friday, didn't you? Yeah. So we've both been writing about it. But the um, basically what happened was uh, Jason Kenney announced that he and um, Prasad Panda and um, Devin Drishan would be going to India for six days to meet with kind of potential investors and government officials. Um, uh, They clarified as well that um, it's being paid for out of the UCP budget and um, some money is coming from the travelers themselves. Um, But yeah, it was kind of just interesting because it's not often that you see a opposition leader go on a trade mission. Um, and now they're not calling no. it a trade mission. It's just right. a, just no, a wee I know. trip. Yes, a little trip, <laughs> just a, a jaunt. jaunt. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I did talk to uh, Trade Minister Darren Billis about it shortly after um, the trip was announced. Uh, Kenny left on Sunday, and uh, Billis basically said that you know one concern the government had was that it could cause some confusion about. Um, you know, projects that they're negotiating uh, with the Indian government over. So it's worth noting, Kenny was he used to be the immigration minister, and he he did go to India a bunch of times when he was in federal government. And we saw a tweet from the India what transport infrastructure minister calling it calling Kenny honourable minister from Alberta. So that caused, as you might imagine, a kind of an a, a fit on Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, and Billis took the opportunity as well to criticize the UCP over saying we don't really know what their trade policies are or what they're yeah. asking for by going to India. Um, so that, I guess that was another concern that the NDP brought up. Keith, are you surprised that the NDP are kind of losing their minds a little bit about this? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I don't know what Jason Kenney what his real purpose is in going to India. I mean, India is a, an increasingly important trade partner for Alberta. I think uh, $350 million a year in trade. Um, there, it's no secret that all the, all the premiers, all the governments in recent years have been making trips to India. So Jason Kenney going there as an opposition leader, it is, um, I guess, uh, important in, in, in a sense that, uh, you know, he is an Alberta person, may become the premier soon. And so he may honorably want to be establishing connections there or renewing connections in his case. But it does kind of confuse the folks there. There is some evidence that the folks in India are thinking of him as a minister, as an official government representative. And I can see why the NDP might be a little upset at that, that there are perhaps some confusing mixed messages. There is a reason why you have only one representative dealing with with foreign relations, that you don't have two different parties or three different parties all engaging, all giving, you know, the official message from the government. So I understand why the NDP is perhaps a little cheesed at this. You do have to wonder, though, if Jason Kenney, maybe one of the reasons he was going there is to kind of rile up the NDP a little bit. Maybe that's a bonus of that trip. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that they they had to know this was probably not going to sit too well with the NDP, and boy, they sure took the bait. They uh, they have given this uh, this story a lot of air. Um, not just Darren Billis, but Brian Mason spoke against it. Yeah, I grabbed him on the way into cabinet on Tuesday because I thought, hang on a second, Brian Mason has been in has been in the ledge for what? How many years now? Surely he's seen whether this has happened before. So I grabbed him in and he was like, well, actually, I did a trip to Alaska when I was the opposition leader. But the difference there was caucus paid for it. The NDP caucus budget paid for it at the time, whereas in this case, it's the UCP paying for it and the individual MLAs are going to probably throw in some cash as well. Yes. Yeah, so it's a different exactly. situation. So, so yes, the NDP right to be mad, but... Uh, maybe uh, politically this is one that they maybe want to start downplaying a little bit, just kind of let it go. This is game playing. They've done their own bit of game playing. They've got more to come probably in the fall session. Um, but uh, they are giving a lot of attention to Jason Kenney acting more or less like a premier or a premier in waiting. That's how he's positioning himself. And yeah, and the trip has definitely gotten more coverage than it would have had the NDP not said anything <laughs> about it. So, Well, yeah, like Jason Kenney's been tweeting out all kinds of things, including an interview with CNN India in which he went on and praised Alberta's low taxes and our exceptional electricity power prices, and which is funny because he hasn't exactly been praising those since he became an MLA or even before that. In fact, they go to go about how bad the NDP are taxing people and how much our taxes have increased. But I guess it's not what you say on CNN India. Just as an aside, um, I got in contact with Elections Alberta because I wanted to know whether all this is above board, basically. So if it's caucus, if it's paid for by caucus, they have to contact the Speaker's office first. And the Speaker has to go like, yeah, yeah, cool, no worries. Off you go, have a fun time paraphrasing obviously Uh, but because it's the party paying for it elections alberta told me that the party members have to be there in attendance as members of the ucp and they can identify themselves as leader of the ucp of the party but they can't identify themselves as an mla on behalf of the legislature so Mm. that is where the um that is where the little gray area i suppose is 
Sorry, fun times. Did um, Brian Mason mention if any other opposition leaders had ever done trips? He didn't, no. He just kind of told us about his trip to Alaska one January when he met Sarah Palin. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a great photo of them, actually, if you Google it. Sarah Palin, Brian Mason. And That's he, awesome. Yeah, he has more hair and a, and a more uh, a bushy moustache that's a bit darker because it was 10 years ago. So anyway, uh, I guess we'll see uh, whether or not this comes up when they come back in the fall session. I don't know. I think at that point everyone will have moved on a little bit. But um, I was interested, though, too, because as a UCP donor – how do they feel about this whole thing? Because if you've donated to the UCP, you probably haven't done it so that you can send three MLAs to India. I mean, whenever you're at the conventions or, you know, UCP fundraisers, they say it's, you know, we're going to defeat the NDP, pitch in, throw in, you know, whatever you've got, whatever you can afford so we can destroy the NDP and bring Alberta back to whatever. How do you feel when your money's being spent on an international junket to India by three MLAs? And Kenny has said it was about him rebuilding relationships he had as a federal minister. Well, how do you feel if your cash is going to Jason Kenny re-meeting some of his old buddies in India rather than in some way, shape or form part of a war chest against the NDP? I don't know. I don't reckon that would sit well with me if had I donated to a political party. Yeah, I think I think that's a good question. I, we'll see how the UCP plays it. If they decide to say, hey, this is going to, in the Alberta public's mind, position Jason Kenney as you know, premier-like, if, mm. this, if we can convince more people that he is a statesman, that he is a representative of Alberta, that is, he is looking out for the province's best interests, and in that way, um, making him seem superior to Rachel Notley, for example, or at least her equal, uh, potentially that's got a political benefit at home. I'm not sure that that's what the UCP leadership is going to say, that that's the main purpose mm. of, of, of this trip using, using the, the party uh, finances. But that is potentially one benefit they could say uh, mm. or they could try to promote anyway. And also, I just wanted to point out, too, Prasad Panda had done other trips to India, yeah, right, as well. So it's trips. not as though this never happens, but it's just seeing an opposition leader yeah. go on a trip is is rare. Well, <laughs> if you're a UCP donor and you want to reach out and let me know what how you feel about it, feel free to tweet me at Emma L. Graney on Twitter. <laughs> um, all right, let's move over to Zipporah Berman. Um, Clancy, there's another one that you wrote a story about. Look at you doing all the stories, Work eh? Work on the weekends. Yeah, lots <laughs> happens on the weekends. Yeah, of course you work the weekends. Yeah, yeah. that's why I had more stories this week. Quick um, rundown of what so happened here. So, Sephora Berman. Yeah, so basically for people maybe that don't aren't familiar with Sephora Berman, uh, she's a very well-known <laughs> figure in political uh, circles in Alberta. Um, she's a professor at York University, a very um, well-known environmental activist with an organization called Stand Earth. Um, and yeah, and she's kind of also known for the quote she made about comparing the oil sands to Mordor. the fictional land of Mordor. Which yeah. she says she regrets. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, exactly. Um, so, but... <laughs> yeah, it's but, been brought up enough times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think what's... So what happened was the um, Alberta Teachers Association is having a conference. Um, one of their subgroups is having a conference in October. I think it's October 13th to 16th. Um, it's uh, at Enoch Cree Nation. Um, the groups involved are basically basically teacher funded um, and it's not um, like it's not officially an ATA conference like the flagship conference to be very clear but Sabora Berman was asked to speak at it as a keynote speaker um, and that kind of 
spurred a petition hilarity from people who uh, <laughs> who think she's basically anti oil sands. Um, I spoke to the ATA on the weekend about it, and they said that, um, you know, this isn't a problem. It's good for teachers to be exposed to different perspectives and that they were going to ask a um, another person to come in who had a more pro-oil perspective to also speak, to kind of balance out the, um, yeah, the conversations, because she is known as being fairly militantly against the oil sands. <laughs> Fairly militantly against. Trying, I love that. I'm trying to be very <laughs> careful about these things. Yeah. Janet, now you're the education reporter here. Were you surprised with the ATA reaction or the fact they then brought someone else in? No, because this is not the first time we've seen this. I mean, these these uh, councils are, like Claire said, a little bit more independent than the central ATA decision makers. Um, and we saw, I think it was last school year, David Suzuki also came into another council, which which created <laughs> yeah. an equally... Also a I don't, I don't remember if there were petitions per se, but there was certainly some fuss. Um, and so I was just having a look at the a written reaction from Dennis Theobald this morning, who at the time, uh, who is now the executive secretary of the Alberta Teachers Association, who said... You know, similar similar to what Claire said, Jonathan uh, said on the weekend, is that this is uh, teachers want to hear multiple perspectives on issues. It doesn't matter if you like some of those perspectives or not; they're they're not going away. And if you're going to fully and critically explore any issue, you have to at least hear what those perspectives are. And then he says, what I, what I find particularly sinister and offensive about the criticisms that have been leveled against the teachers' conventions and their underlying is the underlying assumption that teachers are too naive to possibly think for themselves, that our empty little heads will be filled up with nonsense that we will proceed to inflict upon our students. Yeah, which is kind of not. My mum my was a teacher for 40 years. Right. She's I think, a very critical thinker. I think what's interesting is that do, do we scrutinize other unions, subgroup guest speakers the way that we, the Society of Alberta, scrutinize the Alberta Teachers Association guest speakers? I mean, these are this is a... No. It, no, right? Like, there are lots of other unions who have workers in school. There's lots of QP locals. Are we sitting there going through the QP local programs, subgroups, to see who is influencing those educational associates? Right. But, I mean, we do scrutinize who gives you know, which universities give honorary degrees yep. to David Suzuki and so on. So, I, I, you know, I mean, that's that's an interesting statement you just read. Um, I'm not sure that the people opposed to support Berman uh, are really cons- concerned about teachers being influenced. It's more that they're just giving a platform to people they disagree with. And I don't know this particular advocacy group that well, uh, Canada Action P- Pro Pipeline. Um, you hope that the people who are opposing this um, that don't want support Berman to get, be given this platform. You hope that these are not the same people who get mad when a speech by Jordan Peterson gets protested or moved or canceled, <laughs> or you know somebody like Ann Coulter or you they know Ezra Levant. They could possibly be the same people, right, Keith. Right, couldn't possibly. Yeah. So, so li- cynical. Little, little hypocrisy <laughs> of truth. I, I don't know that they are, but um, one suspects there probably is is uh, a few people from in from that camp. So that that would be a little disappointing. Be a little hypocritical if, in fact, they are uh, protesting just somebody having a chance to speak. Um, it's not. Uh, um, it doesn't seem fair if you're also saying, "Well, Jordan Peterson should be allowed to speak wherever he wants," right? And it's like that tweet this week. Um, is it Dwayne Bratt tweeted about the federal floor crossing? Um, 
you know, my periodic reminder that if someone crosses from your side to my side, it's principled. But if it's from my side to your side, then there there should be a by-election <laughs> and they should be sacked. Yeah, it's exactly. a similar kind of yeah. kind of feel. I do think as well, like the. Um, the conference is being funded by the teachers in the association. It's not getting funding from the province or from the There's APA. There's no tax so, dollars involved Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, in, when you're upset about someone yeah, giving someone a platform, um, when there's no taxpayer money funded to it, then, you know, we do live in a society, thankfully, where people are allowed to have divisive opinions and give speeches. So... Yeah, it, I was surprised it called the kerfuffle it did. And then weirdly, um, UCP education critic Mark Smith put out a statement on Wednesday. Talk about a few days late there. A few days late. Come on, Marky boy. Bit quicker, mate. Just a bit quicker <laughs> off the draw. Um, yeah, so the story was on the weekend and then Wednesday we get a we get a UCP statement. Whether or not that was to try and distract from the Kenny thing, trip to India, maybe, who knows, didn't really work, if that's indeed what they were doing. Let's switch over now to... A story that has been kind of developing over the last couple of days, Janet, about David Egan and apologising for an issue. Please do correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't it um, a question about residential schools that was on some kind of homeschooling exam? Yeah, not quite homeschooling. So bear with my bureaucratic <laughs> explanations here. Okay. There is something <laughs> called the Alberta Distance Learning Center. And if you've ever done a correspondence course or, or an online course in Alberta, in, in school, anywhere between kindergarten and high school, you may have done it through the Alberta Distance Learning Center. It's a Barhead-based organization. It's, uh, it's basically the Pembina Hills School Division runs this thing for the province. They're contracted to do it. And one of the things they do is create these correspondence courses that students can do if they, like, say, they, for me, example, I couldn't fit Social Studies 30 in my schedule in high school, so I did it by correspondence. I got materials from Barhead to do it. The other thing they do is they provide units or resources or modules for teachers to teach certain courses. And so the course in question is called Social Studies 20-4, which is a streamed course. Janet so, just used um, air quotes, everybody, air quotes, around the word air quote streamed. Alert, air quote alert. <laughs> yeah, she calls me on it every time. Air um, quotes work really well in, in, in audio. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Air quote. Streamed on air quote. <laughs> course. Did I get that right? That was good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I wonder how much I air quote in general when I'm on oh, the phone. A lot. I no, sit okay, next no, to you. I'm... It happens a lot. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, I'm really self-conscious. Uh, okay. Anyway, streamed course. So not it's it's not a course that most students doing social grade eleven social studies would do, but some um, who have various uh, who, are, who are maybe heading for a more applied uh, you know career in trades or something might do. Anyway, so social studies twenty four. So what happened was a student who was enrolled in an alternative school in Saint Paul, Alberta. Um, this module, a teacher who was running that course, was using this module to teach them a unit about, uh, it says Canadian First Nations history, I think is the unit. And so the unit has a bunch of uh, different descriptions, about 94 pages long. Um, and it kind of goes through like uh, European contact, first European contact in the fur trade and um, smallpox, the introduction of smallpox, the introduction of alcohol, and then gets into resident. It has a few pages on residential schools. And at the end of the 94 pages is a like a review quiz. So it's not a test that you would write in a classroom, but it's just like, a, here's your review questions to think about the things you've just learned. Um, and so one of the questions was, a positive effect of residential schools was, multiple choice, one, children were away from home. Two, children learned to read. Three, Children were taught manners. Four, children became civilized. Uh, so what happened was a student who was do working through this unit saw this, 
was appalled, put a, a post on some social media app. I'm actually not even really sure which one. And of course, it, it ended up getting, even though she ended up deleting it, she was worried about the consequences. It ended up spreading and getting shared a lot on Facebook. So yesterday morning, I called the St. Paul uh, School Division and just said, hey, is this a real thing because there's there's also some bad grammar in the question course, it looks a bit yeah. questionable so uh the superintendent called me back fairly quickly and said uh yes it's real we got this module from the distance learning center but we are profoundly sorry this never should have made it through in front of a student it's it's culturally insensitive and wildly inappropriate and not accurate <laughs> and so uh and so then of course by then i was already messaging the minister's office saying right uh what do you think about this yeah so he issued an apology i think before noon a quite a detailed statement and it then was also quick. Yeah, yeah very yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a very long very quick apology right and he called it uh he called the material harmful and hurtful he ordered his deputy minister to order a review of all materials that the ADLC is using that have anything to do with the residential schools. And the superintendent that runs the ADLC in Pembina Hills also apologized uh, and said like this again, this never should have been before students. He doesn't even know when this thing was written. And that's, I mean, my question is too, how many students were given Saw that this. question yeah. over time? And, and I don't have the answer to that. And yeah. I tried to find out. So for example, I asked uh, like how many students are enrolled in this particular course at Edmonton Public and Edmonton Catholic. But be- because it's a resource that any teacher who had access to the ADLC website could go and download. They don't know how many people downloaded it. And if you downloaded it, did you photocopy and give it to another teacher? Like they have really no way of knowing how infrequently or frequently this resource was used. And they don't know even when the question was written, right? No. And, and the only clue in the document is it refers to um, AFN chief Phil Fontaine. So Phil Fontaine was chief from 97 to 2000 and 2000 to 2009. So anywhere somewhere between 97, somewhere between 97 and uh, somewhere in a 12 year period was when this was written. Wow. So 2009, this has been around at least since 2009. Yes. This module. So we've That's gone almost a decade then and nobody has found, nobody, nobody has cited this except for this student who finally. Right. Which either means that not that many people were using it. So it wasn't widely circulated or it just wasn't setting off and alarms. I think what's so sad is to think about potentially students who did see the question and were hurt by it, but then didn't feel that they could say anything or report it. Like, I think that's where my mind goes is mm. I'm assuming that there were, and including Indigenous students who probably did see this question at some point and, you know, it's part of their um, course and then not being able, like, not you know, feeling like you could report it or talk to someone about it. Like, that's quite sad. Or then, though, then you're learning that there's a, po- a positive outcome from residential schools. Like, that's what you take away from that question. Well, Janet did a really thorough job on this story, and she, she included another page from the module. It mm-hmm. says, residential schools had a positive role in teaching students to read and write and about ways of life other than their own. There were, however, some negative impacts from these residential schools. I mean, I read that and I thought, thought to myself, wow, you know, that's like saying, hey, the Great Depression had some great things about it. People really learned the value of a dollar in the Great Depression. You know, some people also didn't have such a good time during that decade <laughs> as well, right? That's kind of the equivalent of it. It's in, I, I don't know how this made it in. It's, it's so just abhorrent that that was a question and that that's in the module about the po- like man oh that's just so yeah it's very good that there was a quick and swift apol like a swift apology on that it does make me think though i mean okay yes this is this one module they're now taking it out of the minister ordered the deputy minister to make sure that everybody was taking it out of circulation and right. also they said well you know 
kind of a vague instruction like you should be checking all your resources in all your classroom but how, how what quality controls are out there you know 99.99% of teachers I'm sure are quite professional and up to up to date and there's new quality standards coming into place in t- 2019 where teachers must know about residential schools and must be equipped to teach about them in an accurate way like informed by what we learned from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission but as they get there like there's a bit of a journey right so so how many people are not very far along that that journey of understanding you know all the details about what happened in those schools and I think it like conversations like this also raise the bigger question about how we do educate um, youth about residential schools because I know when I was in high school I feel like that was not adequate at all what I learned about residential schools so maybe hopefully it'll spark a conversation to have a more in-depth um yeah and nuanced kind of approach to what people learn and the context that you take away from high school yeah in australia we didn't didn't have residential schools as such but the stolen generation was a thing in which kids were same thing just taken away from their families and generally gone to to white families to you know live with them and be more white I suppose yeah. is what it boils down to and we didn't learn that much about that in high school either I think that's probably changing but I don't know I graduated 20 years ago so you would want to hope it would change one of the side conversations that has happened around this apology and it's just maybe it's a fringe group on Twitter I don't know but about why Egan didn't apologize the education minister David Egan didn't apologize for that kid and kids who were locked up in isolation rooms isolation were you seeing this? rooms yeah isolation rooms was a big thing this week too yeah, well, it was well, last end week. of last week. End so last yeah, so in that case, it's all, it's all come together in know, one big lump of time like in my blur head. now. Yeah, yeah. Education has. Um, I've been busy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so last week, their uh, Inclusion Alberta, which is a group that helps represent um, families with students who have um, mostly developmental disabilities, they came out and called for the education minister to completely ban the use of isolation rooms. So an isolation room can be anything from like a weird, jerry-rigged kind of wooden box to like a closet Uh, it's basically sometimes like a padded room I didn't even know schools had these things Um, and not all schools do but some do have a place where you can put a student who's losing control or who you feel is what they're supposed to be is if you feel the student is a threat to you or other people you can you're supposed to put them in there until they calm down enough that they're not a threat to themselves or other people. But obviously they're very controversial over whether that's an appropriate response. And a lot of people have said that there's there are like non segregation yeah, it's, in a it's, school. Like it's, it's like prison segregation. Yes, it's it's sort of wandering in into it's wandering into territory about um about, you know, like seclusion cells in jails, right? Yeah. Solitary confinement. Yeah. Um, and about the humanity of that. Um, and so there's a family that uh, had their child in a Sherwood Park school that is suing the Alberta government, the Elk Island Public School Board. Um, and I think the teacher and the staff who were, were involved in the incident, they say, and again, allegations not proven in court, they say that their son, who was in grade eight at the time, um, was locked naked in one of these isolation rooms and ended up covered in his own feces because he has some um, like intestinal issues. He's got some toileting issues and uh, smeared with his own feces. And that they, the, the teacher, you know, as they're like, come get your kid call, uh, set, took a picture of him inside this room and then emailed the picture to the parents like, hey, we got an issue. So it took the parents some time to get over there from their work to retrieve him. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the school district denies the allegations, says they will vehemently defend their staff and their their choices in court. But it does raise questions about, you know, the, the kid was in there for a, a minimum of 45 minutes. Um, these are supposed to be 
the the guidelines and the, there's a whole other thing about the guidelines being re- revised and Egan is supposed to be striking this panel yep. um, to, of people to have a, a quick look at you know revisiting these guidelines but some of the older guidelines maybe aren't so forceful or or um, absolute about when and mm. when and when not these it's not hard and fast y- yeah. rules it's guidelines it's, and that's the yeah, whole it's kind not of problem binding. there's no teeth yeah. yeah so it's sort of like it leaves some interpretation for like well I've got five other kids who are having issues in my class right now, maybe I'll just leave my my student in this other isolation room for a bit longer so I can handle these other fires that I'm extinguishing. So are our staff Ill, ill-trained, ill-equipped, are there not enough staff to deal with students who are having difficulties, right? I think that's the question. And is that leading to an abuse or um, an overuse of these rooms? Yeah, Egan has promised that those, the overhaul of rules will be in the next couple of weeks, or in the coming weeks. All right, over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery. Gallery? Gallery. Good Stuff Emma from... Emma is sober. <laughs> I issued a breathalyzer. It's Friday. It's... <laughs> um, good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we've seen or heard or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy, dear listeners. Clancy, you are directly to my left. Care to kick this off, please? Sure. I'm going to recommend a new podcast. Oh, shocking development. Yeah. No. I've been listening. I am so happy because now that it's fall, all of the podcasts have new seasons and there are new ones. <laughs> Cereal very back. happy. Cereal's Christ- back. Yeah. It's Christmas. Um, but I'm going to recommend one called, it's a CNN podcast and it's called RBG Beyond Notorious. It's oh, yeah. the life and times of one of my personal heroes and a hero to many women I know and men, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and just about her really astonishing career um, as a lawyer and then and now obviously as a Supreme Court justice so um, yeah great it's I'm on the second episode and it's really fascinating and just a reminder of how much I love her and did anyone design like a line of underwear named after her oh, oh my god that was such that was a, that so was bad so man good joke but man that was so brutal yeah. Keith what do you got for us mate yeah, I, just recently I watched a movie on TV, a documentary called uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's uh, the documentary of uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, which was a show I grew up watching. Um, Emma's totally I've shaking her head. She's like, I Mr. Don't know who? What... Yeah, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, yeah. It wasn't in Australia. It would, we'll, no, we'll no, 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 no. It was, it was a P- <laughs> PBS program, uh, um. run for years and years and years. Uh, I didn't realize, though, he's a fascinating guy. He was a really uh, interesting guy um, who produced this show, Fred Rogers. Uh, and the movie does a very good job of kind of explaining his life and how he put the show together and what he wanted to accomplish. And that actually led me to a story on on, on Long Reads. It's a book, um, and they, Long Reads published an excerpt from it. Uh, the book is called uh, The Good Neighbor, uh, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. And the particular chapter that is available is called Mr. Rogers versus the superheroes and it describes a trip that fred rogers took with a colleague to hawaii one year in the late 70s the guy that played mr mcfeely the postman on (laughs) on the show and he had to give a speech uh to hawaii and the theme of the speech as it turned out was about superheroes and how he felt this was actually a bad role model for kids uh and i found it actually quite relevant to to today's society and this was happening in the late 70s so mr rogers that that's my that's my good stuff yep nothing i got nothing you're like you guys are all kind of smiling when you're talking about the postman bloke and i'm like i that's don't know what any don't know what you're saying um well, I'm going to take you to Australia then. In your face, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, this is a piece on ABC News. Um, 
It is, it's called Virginia Trioli on being a difficult woman in a difficult world. Now, Virginia Trioli is um, a longtime host of ABC News Breakfast, which is a TV program, as you might think. It is a news breakfast program. She once almost ruined her career by kind of on live TV, made a crazy sign next to her head and the camera cut back to her while she was interviewing a federal politician called Barnaby Joyce, who it turns out then fathered um, a child with his... uh, press secretary or something along those lines and left his family and blah 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 anyway it was a whole thing but she was she gave a really really great speech at the women in media conference on the gold coast and this is a transcript of what it's like to be a woman in a world that is often saturated with men both covering politics and also um, in the news world as well and she opens it by saying the bloke crossed the wide open floor of the age newspaper christmas party smart ass smile arms wide that 2 a.m sway Chin up, chest out, he loomed over me. Well, we've taken a vote, he said, his beer tilt slightly in his glass, and we've decided that you've got the best tits in the place. That's the opening of her speech. And as a woman from Australia, I can totally see how that is a thing that 100% happened. She kind of talks about some interesting, um, really interesting perspectives, and it's a really, really good read. Janet, what do you have for us? I feel like we're all falling into our um, our comfort zones, our niches. Um <laughs> What are you saying about mine with Mr. Rogers? <laughs> that you had a very informed childhood. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> you, could, you could have gone a different way with job, that. Thank you. Mom and Dad Geron. Um <laughs> I'm recommending a story that ran on the Huffington Post's long reads kind of thing. It's called Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong. Loved that story. I read it too. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. So it's really good. It, is, yeah. it is a good one. I read that too. Um, so it's it sort of t- took on some of the it's it's this lovely mix one of my favorite mixes of you know evidence and humanity together at last um so so, uh the author talks to many many people who have you know uh who are heavy and about their experiences of being heavy and not just their the kind of um experiences that they have in you know regular everyday life but also their experiences with the healthcare system and this the kinds of myths and stereotypes that they deal with and um, it also points to some of the evidence that we don't hear so much about in, in health reporting headlines. Sorry, Keith, it's not your fault. Um, uh, just generally, <laughs> like is. health news, health news is all is it's there's been a lot of discussion about the way health news is presented and oversimplification. And and there are actually a lot of nuances to weight and how, you know, there's evidence saying that if you are heavier and exercise more regularly, in some ways you are healthier than like a sick, skinny person who does not exercise regularly so so there are a lot of judgments and um and stereotypes that we apply and and the doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals apply to people who are obese that are not necessarily based in evidence and it's harmful the photos in that piece are really incredible awesome yeah. As well. and yeah. so what they had was they asked some of the subjects to design their own basically like their own photo shoot like how would you like to be represented as an obese person and they they chose these really like empowering poses and they're beautiful that's cool yeah. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me, Clancy, Keith, Claire Clancy, Keith Jine, and <laughs> Janet French. I Are am a consummate anyway? professional. Um, <laughs> we do have some changes we're hoping to roll out sometime in the fall, so do make sure that you are subscribed to the Press Gallery podcast. We are super excited about it. There'll be more to say about those later. And as always, subscribe, tell your nerdy friends about us, and we'll be back this time next week with more Alberta politics fun on the Press Gallery.